Welcome to Rock and Roll Ghost. This week we're talking to Aaron Guzikowski um, about his new series, Raised by Wolves, debuting this week on HBO Max. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, with the exception of a crazy dog in the background. Yes, oh, indeed. And he's just standing there staring at me now. Oh, there um, <laughs> I, um, I, I only heard about the show fairly recently, and being an extremely huge Ridley Scott fan, I was like, well, I mean, I gotta, I gotta watch this. And um, so I started investigating just last week, actually. It's pretty amazing this thing worked out because uh, I was pretty late getting to sending out my request. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, the show, I watched three episodes last night. So if I, I would have kept watching more, but it was like two o'clock in the morning and I had to go to sleep at some point. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and it's really cool. I mean, okay. it's a really interesting uh world you've created and i guess the first question is how did the idea come to you and and uh when did it come to you yeah um well let's see i guess uh i mean i've been thinking about aspects of the show for probably about 10 years but um i think that the thing that really kind of got it going in terms of uh the story is when I started thinking about these two androids, um, I think I was partly inspired by the fact that I have three young kids and, you know, just thinking about raising them in this world where technology is constantly encroaching further and further. And, you know, the distance between us and the stuff we're making is getting smaller and smaller, you know, us and technology. And just wondering, you know, I'm carrying this phone around, should the day come where it's going to be carrying me or, you know, carrying my kids or, you know, taking care of them on some level and, you know, uh, could that happen and would it be good? And in some ways it probably would be, you know, I think uh, androids do make pretty good parents, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, except for the fact that they're not human beings, which I guess is the, the you know, the thing that ultimately uh, makes it problematic, but they, uh, yeah. they, but they don't get tired. They're extremely patient. You know, they don't forget anything uh, right. that happened ever. You know, uh, they're always there for you. You know, they're really uh, dependable and they're consistent. Um, there are all these things that, you know, human parents, uh, struggle with. Um, yes. so I think that was, that was a big part of the, the impetus. I think that, and then just my lifelong kind of, uh, obsession with all things, science fiction and space and so on and so forth. I think those two things crashed. Together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's, it's really cool. And I guess give a, probably a ham fisted, um, idea for people watching the show is basically about these two androids to come to, uh, a planet, um, an isolated, desolate planet to, uh, with, uh, they come with 12 originally, right? 12 embryos, but only six, man they only managed to take six out of the, out of the capsule. Yeah. You, you find out later in the series what happened to the other six, uh, yeah. the other six embryos, but yeah, they, they brought 12, but only six were, were they able to actually, uh, right. Them. And then their job, as they say it to the children are to raise them and start the human population again, basically on, in a different way. Um, yeah. and then, uh, comes the, um, the actual humans that did survive on an arc, which the show is loaded with a lot of religion, um, yeah. a different take on religion. And, uh, it's, it's fascinating just to kind of in the first three episodes to get an idea. Cause obviously religion at that point in history has morphed in your world. Yeah, and there's a lot of differences to what you would regard as religion today, and yeah, and, and such. So basically, the idea is that it starts out with these two parents, mother and father, raising raising these children, um, and then trouble comes in. And you know, that's the first episode in particular is really well done, and it's great that Ridley had a hand in directing because he sets it up perfectly. Yeah, yeah, no, um, it's so great. Yeah. How did you, uh, how, did you have a treatment and then shopped it around? Is that how it worked? Uh, no, I actually wrote the pilot. So I, I wrote the pilot, I wrote the script on spec. So just kind of on my own. And then I went out with it um, as well as with, you know, a lot of information as to what the whole show is going to be kind of the whole plan for the whole, 
uh, series. And um, so I teamed up, I brought into Scott Free, Ridley's production company. And, um, and they, you know, ended up kind of partnering with them on it. But I didn't envision that Ridley would actually end up uh, directing, but, um, but it worked out that way. So uh, he uh, just was really into it. And he just started drawing storyboards right after he read it, um, which, which everyone took to mean he was interested in directing it, you know, so yeah. he just went right away and started drawing. And, uh, but yeah, as soon as I heard that, I was so relieved because I can't, you know, he's the best there is. So in terms of yeah. someone, you know, really giving it the best, you know, chance at, you know, success, uh, because it's so, um, tough to really execute, you know, this level of, you know, stuff that kind of just in terms of the, the world building and all the spectacle, but at the same time, you've got all these kind of intimate scenes you've got to everything's kind of has to work you know um, yeah and it's, and it's the kind of story that um it's not the kind of stuff people see every day you know it takes a little bit of kind of you have to kind of get used to it so you so when you're in the hands of you know a master like Ridley Scott that's you know he can he can do that he can pull that off um and he he did so um and it was uh, super exciting to to behold <laughs> Yeah, how long did it, it take you shopping around before you landed at, at Scott Furry? Um, it took a little while. It took. I mean, we we talked to different people, different directors, different places, and it, there was there was definitely a lot of interest in it. I think it was just a matter of figuring out um, who who the best people were to partner with, and you know, if who kind of got it, you know, for what it was, because we didn't want right. to. I didn't want to kind of change it into something it wasn't, which would have been really easy to do. I think because it has some challenging aspects to it. Um, so a lot of places might just be, well, if you can shave some of the edges down and change some things and simplify it, then, you know, then we'd be interested in doing it. But, uh, but, but why bother, you know, if you're going to do that, you know, we've already, we already have all that stuff. Um, you know, if you want to try and do something different then uh, which is what we tried to do, I think for sure. It just as a fan of, uh, sci-fi, I wanted to, you know, I want to be able to watch stuff that's, you know, I haven't really seen the likes of before, but it's still of the ilk of, you know, what I loved about all of those things that, you know, I grew up with. Yeah. Um, what I, I find, and I'm going to probably bounce around a bit. So yeah. Me. Uh, um, what I found interesting in the beginning watching it is the, the location uh, you shot outside of, I'm guessing, Cape Town in yeah. South Africa, uh, which is a location that, we haven't truly seen a million times, you know, yeah. over, it's not the, you know, it's not a desert in Arizona or what have you. Right, um, right, yeah. What immediately came to mind, which is really weird considering the high end of it is stuff like Planet of the Apes, yeah. um, which I had just rewatched semi-recently. So it was kind of fresh in my mind. Um, the, I forgot in Planet of the Apes how much of the film began before we even encountered an ape. Right, um, right, right. It's like it had been so long, I just take it in my mind that the whole film was centered at the camp. Right. And, and I forgot about the astronauts traipsing through the foreign planet. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, right. trying to figure out what was going on. Right. And uh, it, it, there was a lot of that. I mean, you know, I'm not saying, you know, um, like a ripoff. I'm just saying it felt very um, uh, in spirit with yeah classic sci-fi. No, for sure. And you know, I think um, you know Rod Sterling actually wrote the original Planet of the Apes. You know, and that right. whole kind of the Twilight Zone kind of aesthetic. You know, and I love that like that mystery. I love the idea like you know what is this place? You know, and you 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 only know what the character knows, and the character doesn't know very much. You know about where right. he is. You know, the stranger in a strange land. And uh, no, I love that stuff. I think mystery. I mean, to me, the show, the planet's kind of a giant haunted house. You know, it's just yeah. all of these secrets, mysteries. You know, I think that really runs on that. You know, that whole idea is if you know if you just drop someone on on Earth, and they knew nothing about Earth, and they had no tech. And you know, you drop them say in California, and they were like, they looked around and like, okay, I guess this is Earth, right? And then, but if you right. you know drop them, but they have no idea. There's an Alaska, there's a, you know, an ocean right. here over, you know, all these different things. So I think this is a similar sort of case where, you know, you are in one region, but uh, it doesn't necessarily speak to what the rest of the planet uh, what lies in store. So um, 
having only watched three episodes, I obviously don't know. And there's only six available to us, yeah. uh, which I'm dying to finish it up, quite honestly. Uh, but I also want to savor it. It's that, it's that weird age we live in where we want to get find out what happened, but we also don't want it to end. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah. But are you suggesting that there's going to be other aspects of the planet we're going to end up seeing? Yeah, I think you'll see some of that. I mean, um, should we be given the opportunity to go beyond, a, you know, season one? Then for sure, you'll definitely be seeing some, you know, very different kinds of stuff. Uh, but even within season one, I think there's a fair amount of, uh, you know, surprises in store uh, yeah. planet-wise, yeah. Yeah. Well, what I love about the, the the beginning of it is the discovering of the bones and they, how they reconstruct the bones of yeah. the, the creatures that, the, that had been there and or or still are, depending on <laughs> depending right. on what happens. Right. Right. Um, and there's this idea like it, it just it's it's very methodical. It's very um, without boring people with the, the term it's very cerebral mm -hmm. yeah. so it's quite it's for the most part quiet there's like there's action in it but it's yeah. not like hitting you over the head there's there's a pace yeah um and it's not just rushing to get where it needs to go it, it, like in a hurry so um in, in these modern era you know modern times i appreciate the the rather casual thoughtfulness that of, of the direction uh, that it goes on. And I'm guessing that was part of your plan. Yeah, that was always a part of the plan. Um, you know, I think in talking with Ridley about it, you know, he always, you know, about the cadence of the of the show, you know, it has a rhythm to it. It's just kind of, it, it's slow, but it's inexorable. And, you know, it just kind of keeps marching forward. And, uh, and it has a very, you know, it has a very specific kind of you know, just that, that musicality to it that ha that it has kind of under the surface. Um, but yeah, but when it but when it hits, then so you know, when things do go crazy, um, I think they have a it's it's very visceral, you know, because it kind of lulls you into this world, and you know, you come to accept all of these rules and this reality and these characters, and then suddenly things happen and. Uh, you know, it can really kind of uh, kind of get at you in a way that uh, because you're not really ready for it, but at the same time, you're fully plugged in, you know, uh, right. so that combination, I think, can make for some nice experience, you know, because I think you can jam stuff packed with, you know, anything you want. But I think it's just like you have to, you know, the brain, it just has to be kind of coaxed into a certain place, you know, to, in order to really maximize, you know, what we know to be entertainment. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I think that's what we're trying to get at here. Really go for, really going for the, really going for broke, but you know, you have to kind of do this dance, you know, in order to get that, you have to hypnotize and kind of, you know, lull people into this, this state. And then you kind of, you know, snap your fingers and things go nuts. And hopefully it's like uh, a feeling you haven't, you know, you don't usually get. Yeah. Um, there was um, the one one character in particular I've really I've been fascinated with because of the complete radicalness of their their moods has been the character of mother. Yeah. And the idea basically is that she's breaking down that everybody keeps saying. Right. Uh, so her her moods can become erratic seeming uh, a fierce protector um you know to the point of perhaps you know over overzealous in in her protectiveness yeah um, yeah yeah there's a lot going on in that character and it, it's fascinating and i think it's going to show a different form of uh androids that people don't generally see it's it's definitely the most warrior android i think i've ever seen uh, in yeah. a film, I, I, unless I'm forgetting something, uh, a complete difference from father, um, who is just a very, you know, uh, trusted, uh, gentle, um, you know, uh, keeper basically. Yeah. Uh, um, what, what was the thought process behind, um, dive, uh, dividing out the personalities of the two? 
Well, I think, you know, part of it is that they, they come to realize that they are different kinds of androids, you know, that the, that mother is more akin to a nuclear bomb, you know, in terms of what she can do. And father is more akin to like a F-150 Ford truck, you know, he's, he's extremely, he's tough and, you know, he's strong. He's a, you know, a seriously well-built robot, but at the end of the day, he's a generic service model. You know, he's really just built for normal stuff. Um, but he's also got this, you know, humanity to him, uh, which, you know, increases the more he spends time with these kids and he's raising these children and same with mother, the children kind of rub off on them a little bit in ways they don't expect. And they start to have these, uh, these impulses, they call them, which aren't part of their, cause they have all of these things programmed into them. Meaning, you know, when a kid does something funny, they'll smile and laugh, but it's not because they're, they're feeling the emotion. It's because that's the algorithm. It's like, if you see right. this, do that. But what happens is the more they're around these kids, and especially if some of the kids start to pass away, they start taking on these things that aren't part of the program. Um, and some of that's good, you know, like a moment of sudden jubilation that you don't expect, you know, like, oh, what, what was that, you know, uh, but then it's bad when your kid dies and you're just walking around with this uh, in explain this pain, you know, inside of you, it's like this disease. And so they're both kind of dealing with that. But at the same time, they are very different machines. And they're also so mothers, you know, having a lot of self discovery in terms of, you know, what she really is, you know, what she was originally built for, you know, what she can do. And, you know, and it's a lot, you know, she is a super weapon. She has incredible powers. She is, you know, the most powerful thing on this planet by a long shot. Yeah. But, you know, and she, but she's partnered with this other android who is just a regular android. And yeah. uh, so there is a little bit in terms of the power dynamics between them, you know, after she realizes that she has these abilities, she still wants to maintain a relationship with this other android. Yet at the same time, he wants to remain, he wants to feel useful. He's like, you know, I need to feel like there's a, there's a reason for me to be here, you know, uh, and, but, you know, they have to kind of get through that. You know, they really are, they interact a lot like a real married couple in a lot of ways because they have a program that's very specific in terms of how they should raise the children um, and, you know, restart human civilization, but there's no information in terms of how they should deal with one another. You know, the whole right. like, the coupling of it all uh, is more for them to kind of figure out. And yeah. what makes it, you know, highly difficult is if one day you wake up and you realize, you know, your spouse is uh, a superhuman and you're just a human, you know, and having to yeah. deal with what that all means. Um, so, uh, so that's been an interesting aspect, the, the, the relationship there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's de it's definitely um, so far. Like I said, I'm on episode. I'm done, I finished episode three. Yeah. Um, was your intention because you you kind of bring this up. Was it your intention to um, basically have them discover that their code is sort of adjustable or learning in some way that they weren't even that they were surprised by that themselves? Yeah, I think there is. You know, as they develop these emotions, these impulses that they weren't programmed for there's a little bit of mission creep, you know, in terms of like what we were sent here to do, you know, and it being all about the children, we have to raise the children. It's not about us. It's about them, you know? So I think, and that's where some of the conflict starts to arise when, especially with mother, as she has these, this self-discovery, all of these things that, uh, you know, speak to what she really is, what she could be. Uh, she starts to have a little bit of um, a crisis, you know, in terms of, you know, should I, you know, should, maybe I should have some stuff for myself. You know, she starts to wonder about more about her ego starts to transform a little bit, you know, maybe and she starts to look at this situation, which is, you know, you have to put it all in, raise these humans. It's all about them. And you are just a tool, you know, you're just here to, to get them where they need to go. You're completely irrelevant. And, you know, she's, you know, that becomes a little bit of a struggle for her, even though at the end of the day, she still is, developing real love, you know, for these children. So she has a lot of these weird neurotic impulses that take her in yeah. two directions at once. You know, she's pretty, uh, she's way too complicated for her own good, you know, and she's, yeah. in some ways, she's becoming more emotional than a human being, you know, in, in a lot of ways, which is, uh, which is also a kind of an interesting thing to kind of ponder what that yeah. might look like. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. And the other thing I, I uh, like is that it, you know, there's this basic idea that it's uh, what happened to Earth is um, religion, religion versus atheism. But 
there's certain aspects by the third episode, the very least, uh, without giving too much away, that you're you're really sitting there thinking, well, at the beginning, you're thinking, well, oh, probably, you know, it's probably the religious people that are the ones that are effed up. But you're, as, the, as the show creeps along, you're starting to get an idea that not that you have an idea exactly what what fully happened, but you're you're sensing that you may your first impulses may not have been right, and then you're just confused in a good way. Because yeah. um, I read a review that, uh, and especially after watching, kind of irritated me because it's like they were yeah. making presumptions. I think based on modern day, and right. like I said before, I think your idea is that what's happening on Earth uh, that precede just preceded this. Yeah, it has changed dramatically from what we know of religion and and right. modern times. So, the idea is that definitely um, uh, something something changed at some point in history, and there's obviously, which is fascinating considering the, the times today, a great divide between us. Yes, um, and especially considering this year. The, the idea of a great divide has has never been more obvious or apparent than it is right now. Uh, do you think yeah. that's just a happenstance that you kind of, or was that something you were kind of riffing on? the Because we've seen this coming for a while. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I don't think anybody could have figured the divide between America in particular would have been as bad as it is. No, no. But I, I think, you know, I think we're... All, since the beginning, just thinking a lot about, you know, purpose, you know, as a species, you know, to, the search for purpose and the kind of lack of purpose that we, we have now and, and the idea of uh, what we might want to, you know, what you can put your faith in, you know, what the, what the choices really are, you know, you can put your faith in religion, you can put your faith in technology, you can put your faith in a, in a human being, you know, some sort of thing, a cult of personality or whatever the case might be. Um, and I don't think the show, the show really isn't saying any of these choices is the choice. We're definitely not saying uh, atheism is great, you know, forget about God and this is definitely the way and, you know, that'll lead you to great things. And we're not saying, you know, lean into technology. Uh, technology is going to someday unveil a grand purpose to us. You know, it's all going to make sense at some point. Uh, not, I think they're both equally problematic. I think in some ways it kind of looks at them on equal terms, you know, the, that idea. And it really is more about our search for purpose. I think if you, you know, you can take a bunch of people and you can make up a fake God and get them to cooperate and love each other and do things and accomplish things. And it doesn't matter that the God is complete bullshit that you got them to do all these great things, or maybe it does matter. I mean, that's kind of the question, you know, the idea being, you know, how to kind of look at these, because a lot of good can come of religion and a lot of good can come of technology and the converse is, you know, just uh, the same. Uh, a lot of bad can come of it as well and often does. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's all, it seems to be in the, the same search for meaning, you know, and I think they're both highly problematic. I think, you know, religion kind of comes, you know, preloaded with meaning or but it, 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 this sort of fake meaning that it sort of explains, this is what it all means. And that's why you should feel good about this. Whereas technology, it just kind of, you know, it, it razzles and dazzles and we feel like at some point it, it will reach some point of technological advancement where it's just unveiled to us. We'll become so smart, so plugged in, you know, the, the, the neural links and the whole thing. And we'll be like, ah, now, finally, I know why we're here. I know why we're, you know, we exist and what right. we need to do, because I, right. I don't think anyone does. And I think all of the old artifice is starting to fall away. The old, all of the kind of phony goals, you know, the whole like, you know, this is about whatever it is, it all seems to be crumbling away. Everyone's kind of, you know, taking a fresh look at why we're doing what we're doing. And I think that, and if anything, I think that that's an idea, of, you know, that's been bugging me for, for a long time, you know, and I think yeah. that's kind of what the show is dealing with and our, you know, just asking the question, because certainly don't know, you know, right. uh, you know, how, how to find that. And, and when you go to a new planet and you know everything that went wrong on earth, you know, <laughs> And you have that choice, like, what are we, what are we going to try and not do like what we did on earth? And, you know, what are, what are we going to try and repeat? What are we going to try and leave behind, you know, and just kind of forget about, because we don't want to, you know, open up that old can of worms sort of thing. And, but are we even able to make those sorts of choices, you know, like, or are we just kind of hardwired, like, no matter what 
you can say, you can talk a good game, but you send a bunch of people into space and just wait a few hundred years and it's probably going to look just like Earth. You know, there's going to be war, there's going to be a whole bunch of complaining and bullshit and anger and, you know, resentment and not much else. You know, like what, what's the, did they all get together and come up with some, and, but, but, you know, but I'm a hopeful person too. I, I, I would hope that it is something we can kind of break out of that right. it's not, you know, some endless algorithmic prison that we're <laughs> doomed to repeat forever. <laughs> well, if you look at history, it doesn't, it doesn't bode very well for any of us, quite frankly. I mean, we're going to yeah. have, I think um, I had read somewhere where basically humanity is all is um, things are cyclical and these sorts of things like what's going on now are doomed to repeat because they have repeated yeah. Um, and then we go through periods of prosperity and semi-peace and what have you. Um, and, and my thinking with regards to your show in modern times is that um, between the hope in humanity, between the hope in technology and science, and between the hope of re- you know, religion and God, that we're still not able to... F- and maybe we will never find a way to actually come together um, and say, okay, well, we could live with God being in, in people's lives, you know, free, cho- free, free choice and everything. Mm-hmm. We can, we can uh, definitely trust in our fellow man uh, to an extent. We, that's why we have laws. Mm-hmm. And then we can definitely put our faith in technology and science but I don't think we could ever get to the point where we're all going to agree that all three things can coexist. Mm. And that's, and right now we're finding that um, if anything, um, my basic idea when the internet came along is like, Oh, we're going to all, it's all, it's going to help everybody to get the right information and talk to one another and come together and see um, common enemy, you know, being, in, in most general speaking, um, dictatorship and, and, and uh, corporate greed and things like that. Yeah. What it's only done is that it's basically gotten us back into uh, even tighter now, the idea of uh, 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 team viewing. Yeah. Our team is better than yours. Our team does this. Your team sucks. But yeah. except now we're getting to the point where, as we've seen recently in the news, People are dying over it. And yeah. will that get worse? Will what hap- what's happening now pre- you know, pre- precede what even your show, uh, in, which is science fiction, yeah. yes. <laughs> that precede something like it? And it, that's, that's where the show has hit for me in particular, is the idea that we could be on a collision course with, with Doom. Um, and I'm not a very religious person. I I have a certain amount of faith, um, myself, and I know you were raised Catholic and and Mm -hmm. no longer practicing. Um, and I respect people's religious views, except when it comes to them deciding that we all have to be the same. Yeah. And it's like, I don't have a problem with you being religious. You know, I'm not trying to stop you know, Christianity or Hinduism or anything. It's like, I understand its purpose for people. And I've, I've struggled with it myself, but you can't also there, therefore say that because of your religion, I can't do something. Right. You know, and again, there's no law thing and societies change. And obviously we're at a point where marijuana is legal in a lot of places. And that used to be the devil's drug. I mean, you know, so like things like that, you know, like society changes. But I, I feel like right now society is at a point where technology has only made things worse while making things for some people better. Right. And, yeah. and it's it's just fast. And I'm sorry to go on a long rambling thing here, but it's no, no. it's what I appreciate about watching the show. And these are things that are not spelled out in your show. Yeah. It's more that you just have to sit there. And it's it's it, it, the show may strike someone else differently than it struck struck me. Um, yeah, I like is, the fact that yeah. it's intelligent like that, that it leaves things open. 
Yeah, we try. I, I, I like the idea. I like trying to do that where it's kind of in the air of the show. You know, it kind of washes over you. It's not really telling you, you know, what you need to know uh, before you need to know it. You know, I think it, I think that's the key is the information comes to you when you need to know it. You know what I mean? But before that, you're kind of like I said, it's like you've just been dropped on the planet. And you just have to kind of start figuring stuff out. You have to start walking around and seeing things and experiencing things. And you know, learning your lessons and, you know, going forth and all that good stuff. But, um, but yeah, but religion, you know, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I I think it's really, it's definitely not uh, anti-religion in any way, shape or form, for sure. I think, you know, um, it's definitely, uh, it's just asking the question, you know, I think for me, it's, it's a question I'm always asking myself. I think in some ways it's a, it's an attempt to try and understand these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and not to get too sidetracked from the show itself, but uh, oddly enough, I had finally, I don't know what took me so long, but I finally watched prisoners. Oh, and, um, you know, I've seen Villeneuve's uh, work a lot. And, you know, I mean, I, I, so far, my favorite film of his is is Blade Runner, but Prisoners yeah. is pretty pretty close, and I'm dying to see Dune. Yeah, um, and yeah. I, I'm kind of concerned whether or not I'm actually going to go see it in a theater or not at this point because I am paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, which is good. We're talking about an HBO Max show instead of a movie because if it was a movie, I'd say, you know, I don't really know if I'm going out to a theater. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> I know it's going to be a little while. I think. Yeah. But but. Prisoners was a very, and I I did I know that you took you took a long time to get to the screen and you yeah. went through a lot of rewrites and that's Hollywood that's rewriting is re, you know is writing. Um, Actually, for that one, it didn't get rewritten too much. I think, but it you took rewrote a, long... a lot before you got to the point where it was. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of rewriting before I sold it, no doubt right. about it. Endless rewriting before I sold it. Once, but, but yeah, I think once we the... sold it and Denis came on, the we rewrote pieces, you know, there right. we added some stuff, but um, right. but by but but it wasn't uh that in that case, it wasn't hot. Right. No, but I meant in, like, in your case of like before it was ready to be shown around to people, you rewrote it a bunch. Yeah, for sure, exactly. But, but um, um that was yeah, another yeah. Another uh, project that I really appreciated because it, it was pondering the moral questions that it presented itself. I mean, yeah, um, uh, Hugh Jackman's character in particular goes to some very dark places uh, because he's uh, you know uh, obsessed, and it, it's um, the the, um, the reason why I'm bringing up the film because I've just seen it, but also yeah. because it's another example of your work where you're really sitting there examining people and their motivations and the after effects of, of what happens. Is that something that in particular it, it speaks to you or are you just one day going to write a zany comedy and throw us all for a loop? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm definitely in the mood for some comedy at this point. So uh, who knows? But uh no, yeah, I think usually I end up writing about the stuff that haunts me personally. And, you know, I think those sorts of questions, you know, haunt me, you know, ideas of faith and uh, and um, all of these kinds of things, you know, what it is to be human and, uh, you know, how, what lengths we'll go to, uh, you know, to uh, uh, for the people we love and, you know, the, the dark side of love and, you know, these sorts right. of things. Um, definitely continually, uh, yeah, seep in there. For sure. <laughs> why do you th- why do you think that is? I mean, in particular, without getting too personal, what what yeah. what kind of brought what, I think, what informed uh, that? You know, it's really I guess it's hard to say. I think um, I guess all you know is that it, it seems to resonate in my own brain. You know, as like a, it just seems like fertile ground whenever I go there in my own brain. You know, it's like oh, this is still interesting to you. This is still a question. You know, you haven't really figured this out. Yeah. And I think those are the things, you know, usually I think that the stuff that ends up working is is the more personal stuff, you know, that does kind of tap into some aspect of your own psyche that, you know, um, that is more, like, that is seldom seen, you know, so those things end up just being more interesting, I think. You just had, you have a different handle on them. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think that's the case here. 
Do you find, because it's obvious that you're a person that's more interested in questions than, not that you're not searching for answers, but yeah. most people with, with entertainment like to have the answers given to them. They do, yeah, some. But, yeah. yeah, what, um, is the searching more interesting than the discovery? Yeah, it's, for me it is. I think because it's all about mystery for me. I think once I've solved the mystery, it's not so interesting anymore, you know. Um, so I, and I, I just love the idea of kind of pushing into strange places, you know, kind of, uh, you know, my favorite author of all time is uh, Philip K. Dick. And, um, you know, he basically lost his mind. He, he had a lot of strange ideas about things, you know, he was constantly questioning reality. Uh, you know, and that really motivated him to, to, to explore that question, you know, through all of these stories. And, uh, and I love that idea of just being, it, it just being this kind of personal, you know, uh, quest to, to figure out something that ultimately there's no answer for, but, uh, right. but it's fun to drive yourself nuts in the process. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that, um, that, that, that's a, problem in today's world of being a writer that asks the questions instead of answering them or not well, you, you want to yeah i mean for you, other people for other people i mean it does go to the point of purpose i mean well i think part of it too is like if you want to be a writer or a cult leader you know what i mean do you want to have because i think if you have i don't know i mean you certainly want to have a point of view yeah right. for sure i think you have to have a point of view and, you know, and I, my honest point of view is, you know, I think religion, there's aspects of it that are you know, positive. And I, I like exploring that and then same with the negative. But I think uh, you've got to you've got to have some of that in there. You can't just go in and say, OK, I'm up for anything. I have no point of view. And then I guess that's the opposite of, of all writing, I guess, would be that. Right. You, know, just, uh, you may as well just be a video camera if you have no point, you know, the, and even then you have a point of view, literally right. you're pointing it in some direction. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I think, yeah, you know, it, it's harder today too, I think, to really stake out if you, if you are going to say, I believe in this and this is what I think, right. um, you know, as an artist, if you are trying to make entertainment, you've immediately said to everyone who doesn't think that, hey, uh, you're wrong and, uh, and I know better than you. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I think all of this, that's pretty problematic in, in the world we live in today. I think you have yeah. to be pretty careful about how you, you know, you, it definitely, it's great to have an opinion and you should, it's more about how you present it. So, cause you want them to hear it, you know, cause I think the way pe people communicate today is, is just ineffective in a lot of ways, even in art, you know, so, uh, you have to do it in a way that actually gets into their head. If, if, if it really states its purpose, you know, too early on and they're not in the mood for it or they don't happen to, uh, then, then you've lost them. You know, I think the idea is to, if you really do want to, you want to get in there and you, so you have to, you know, you have to speak all the many languages of, uh, of the visual arts to, to find your way inside all these little mazes that are all of our minds, you know, and, and get into the most that you can. And, uh, and um, yeah, I think it's all about that. Whatever, that, that was a little bit of a ramble there, sorry. No, no, no. I. I, I... <laughs> We're, we're brothers of a, a, a certain feather. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if that's a term, but. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, when, and, and you were talking about art, art is a very, duh, subjective, you know, a form. I, I've, I've had several things over the years um, that I haven't liked that I've gone back to, you know, um, and changed my mind on it. What are the, one of the biggest examples of something I just dismissed uh, completely when I first saw it and then have, it's become an obsession of mine in terms of film has mm. Heat by oh, Michael yeah. Mann, which yeah. is a film I didn't get at all when I first saw it. I saw it in the theater and I'm like, yeah. I loved all the people that were in it. And I'm like, I, I'm, like oh, man, I just, I either the, I always say the problem that day was I saw Casino right before it. Right, right, so right. Watching two very long movies back to back, <laughs> and maybe I just wasn't yeah. in the mood to watch five so or so hours of films in a theater that day. Indeed, um, yeah. But that's a film that my ex-wife uh, really loved, and we we would watch it every time it came home. I'm like, God damn, this is a this is a fucking awesome movie. What? What was I thinking? And now it's like I've got I, I owned um, 
I owned a, a DVD and now I you know, they came out with a Blu-ray and yeah. a 4K transfer and I'm like, I got that. And it's like, I, I mean, I watched the film at least twice a year now, you know, it's like, yeah. I, I don't I'm a huge fan of that film. I probably, yeah, I love that yeah. film. I watched the hell out of that movie. I can't yeah, even tell you it's, how many times. It's yeah. probably one of the best crime films of all time. I, I yeah. think. And uh, I just love Michael Mann. But what, yeah. you know, on that subject of, of influence, um, I, I know I read somewhere that you're, oddly enough, you're more of a, a popcorn fan you know, but of substance. Yeah. Um, what yeah. are some of the f- first films that really uh, set off fireworks in your in your brain? Um, well, you know, obviously, uh, Star Wars was huge for me. Uh, the Shining is probably my favorite film of all time. I think that movie I've probably seen more than any other movie. Um, so that's always been hugely influential. Yeah, I do love popcorn. You know, I loved Spielberg growing up and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I'm really, you know, George Lucas and Star Wars and all of these big, you know, um, but all of that, you know, but it always had an underlying, you know, there was always some meaning in there, you know, or emotion or something, you know, that that made those movies special, you know, and I think, and they still do that today. And then there's those movies still exist on some level, but I think, uh, but those are the ones that really got to me or like, or like alien, you know, and, you know, obviously all the Ridley's movies uh, were hugely influential. And, you know, I think, and I just, uh, I love it all. I mean, I, sh- I can't even, you know, it's hard to point to like direct influences because I've, ch- my father was one of kind of the, the first video pirates and he yeah. filled our, he filled our downstairs cellar just with, you know, uh, he would just rip like a VHS, you know, like three per tape. And we just had walls and walls and walls of movies. Yeah. And there was no rhyme or reason to the movies he would get, you know, he would just go rent five random movies and just copy them and just add them to his collection and, you know, kind of thing. So for me, that was a great education because there was no like, oh, you know, I'm a kid. So I kind of like, you know, space movies or whatever it is. It was just whatever it was like drama, comedy, you know, sci-fi, horror like everything. And he, I would yeah. just watch everything repeatedly. Uh, and that was a great, uh, so I just love it all. I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of even bad movies. Uh, you know, it takes a lot for me to really turn on a movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I, there's not, I mean, there, there's some cases I, I, um, I, <laughs> I remember the last one I saw in the theater that really turned me the wrong way, but I was completely alone for like a 10, 10 PM show in this giant vast theater for the last Rambo movie. And I basically <laughs> turned the experience into my own mystery science theater moment because I was right. the only one there. So I would yep. just sit there and heckle the screen, uh, <laughs> which it was all, was entertaining for me at least. Uh, I didn't think sure. to record it, which would have been funny, I suppose. Uh, but I, I do love, like you said, I love, I love discovering. I love finding something like prisoners uh, seven years late. Not that I didn't know about it. I just, yeah. what it was like it, with prisoners, it's like, I don't know what it, the cast, the director was all there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I was just, sometimes some movies you have to be ready for. Yeah, no, I know. I totally know the feeling. I think it's one of those movies where it kind of looks like it might be a, a hard thing to get through or, yeah. you know, it's just going to be too much or you're just not in the mood yeah. for it. You know, that's uh it which is often the case. I'll, I'll give you give it that. <laughs> it was yeah. It's it's uh it's it, but it's great because it's not easy, and yeah. the fact that it is difficult to watch in an era when things are so. This is what it is, and you're you know from the trailer what's going to happen. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which I don't. Which I'm I'm not a fan of. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of trying to get some mystery back into uh, movie going. I used to love when. You know, you'd see a trailer and you could kind of get, okay, there's stuff in there I like, but I have no idea what that movie is. And then you right. would go and, you know, it'd be kind of a, it'd be a surprise, you know, for better or for worse. Right. Uh, but uh, but usually now, I think, and I, you know, for whatever reason, you have to really kind of give, give everyone some sense of all three acts, you know, kind of what's right. going to happen. So they don't, you know, right. you can only be so surprised. Because they're, 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 because they know that a certain segment a, a wild segment of the population yeah. needs it sold so that they go the first two or so weekends because that's when the studios make their most money back. 
Yeah, no, it's all for a good reason. I'm sure they probably sell more tickets when they tell, you know, tell people more about what the movie's about, you know, I right. think, uh, which is, uh, so you just have to, you know, I guess watch less trailers if you're a guy. Like <laughs> <laughs> and that's really hard to do as, as a film fan. It's hard to stay like I, I, I credit, I, I don't know where I found the resolve to stay away from as much information as possible for the final Star Wars film because I wanted to go in and be surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't want to know almost anything, even though I wanted to know everything before I walked in there. Right, um, right. <laughs> so, you know, that's, as a fan, that's hard to resist that temptation. You know, Absolutely, it is. It's almost impossible, but uh, it's worth a try, you know. <laughs> um, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I, I do appreciate your time. Um, I, I kind of want to know what, what, is there anything you're, you're working on? Are you working on a, another trying to figure out another season of Raised by Wolves? Are you working on something else? Uh, definitely thinking, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. If we get if they, uh, if I should be so lucky to make more Raised by Wolves, I've definitely got a whole ton of, uh, you know, stuff saved up for that, um, which would be great because I definitely like the idea of only working on one thing, you know, like being yeah. like, you know, like a method actor, you know, I just want to like live in that place and, you know, only think about those sorts of things. Uh, but yeah, I'm working on, the, on, uh, on other stuff as well. Uh, I'm working on a horror idea uh, for, uh, for a series that'll probably uh, be too dark to actually get made, but, uh, but we'll see. <laughs> well, that's sounds great. I'm not, I, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge horror fan, but yeah. um, when I do like a horror film, I absolutely love it. So, and your example of, you know, The Shining being probably your favorite movie, that was a movie yeah. I had seen in, I don't know how many different, different times over the years on TV. And for some reason, I appreciate, I definitely appreciated what the film was, but there was something about it that always eluded me. I never understood why people thought it was great. Yeah. Then before the release of the 4K tr transfer on Blu-ray last yeah. year, they put it out in theaters. And all of a sudden I got it. I don't yeah. know why, I mean, I'm not always a proponent like you have to see everything in the theater. Yeah. Say I saw prisoners on, on my TV at home. Right. Uh, I think a good film works no matter what, but sometimes some films do only click when you see them in the theater. And that's yeah. for me, The Shining was one. And um, so, uh, yeah, all, all, all uh, hope to you for getting your two, you possibly too dark horror <laughs> series to work. Cause I, I'd, I'd be interested, especially after considering your other work. I, I definitely want to see that now. Oh, thanks. No, I appreciate it. Now, I know horror for me is a great escape. It actually helps me. I've, I've always found it very therapeutic in tough times, horror movies, yeah. just because it's not my problem. Like, it's horrible, but it's not my life. I'm not being chased by a killer. So uh, makes your own problems seem well, that's all the... Uh, that's my biggest point. problem is I, I, if you'll, never, you'll never hear me laugh harder than the, the tra trailers for a horror film in front of a movie i'll sit there and i'll just howl with laughter like when i saw the trailer for unfriended i'm sorry for the people that make these movies i really do i, I know you shouldn't be laughing at them because they put they probably put a lot of work into them and i know there are people that love them but yeah. there are movies like unfriended or crawl and i know people love crawl too so now i have to watch that because enough people i know like it yeah um then i just sit there in the theater and i'm just howling like it, it, you couldn't show me a funnier movie than a horror trailer sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Totally get that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I get some perverted glee out of watching a, a horror trailer. <laughs> Just thinking. No, it's time. true. I have, uh, yeah, there are there are laughs to be found there for sure in some ways. <laughs> and not that there aren't some other ones. I've laughed at like period piece trailers too that are just, oh, come on. Who, who needs to see this again? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like who needs to have this, this, Unless it's Merchant Ivory, I don't. I don't want to see people all all cloistered up in period costumes and you know talking. You know, the, the Queen's English and everything. It's like I, I get, I've had enough. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> totally got it. <laughs> um, was there anything that you had written before? Written before this, a whole nonsense happened that is in the process of getting made, or or is there just stuff out there that is waiting to waiting out for whatever the hell this um there may be there may be a few things that uh you know eventually i'll i'll pull back out and you know see if uh see yeah. if i can give life to things from yeah. the past sure but for the most part 
I think, you know, the world is just changing so fast, you know, I want to make, you know, I got to be creating stuff now in the moment, you know, I think in order. Because there's going to be a point where they're going to need to go into overdrive. Do you hear me? Oh, wait, now I hear you. Sorry. Okay, sorry. No, I said you you were talking about getting things ready because there's going to be a point where they're going to, people are going to need to go into overdrive on production. Oh yeah, no, no, I know. I think uh, I think the show is taking up most of my uh, the the potential future. You know, uh, maybe other seasons, stuff like that. That's kind of yeah. where uh, my I mind's at right now. And but yeah, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting time production-wise. I mean, uh, definitely a lot uh, a lot of considerations to be made. Yeah, yeah, that you didn't um, before. One one kind of and one final question, and I'll let you go. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time today. It's been a real. Yeah talking to you um how what's your writing process like do you listen to music do you i mean i know you i know i've read where some of your writing process you do formulate an idea you do an outline and such but when you're actually writing do you listen to music do you listen to nothing uh Uh, yeah i i usually do both I'll, i'll definitely listen to music a lot um when i write uh, i'll listen to soundtracks or just um or you know music without lyrics some yeah instrumentals uh, a lot of times yeah 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 i'll do that i'll do that a lot and then sometimes you know for whatever reason i'll just decide for a couple of days i won't listen to anything Ooh. and it kind of just depends on the day but uh but music definitely helps uh <laughs> it's definitely been a mainstay in terms of process definitely music and getting up uh extraordinarily early and trying to write before people wake up i think is yeah uh, well yeah having a family uh, even though that's i'm guessing that's your office yeah this is it yeah this is my back i'm in my backyard here so uh it's fairly soundproof but i got three young boys who are and they're uh, they're at home so yeah (laughs) totally yeah it's pretty wild yeah (laughs) you know my my son's uh almost 30 so i i you know i don't have that problem i i i when this started i'm like I am so thankful I don't have a small child to deal with right now. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it, there are some. Uh, I, I mean, I, lo- I love my son, but I was like, I could not imagine being trapped with my family. Yeah, <laughs> there's some challenging aspects for sure. Yeah, some challenging aspects. <laughs> um, all right, well, I, I've been trying trying to end the show on a, on a quote. So um, I, I want to thank you again for taking the time and good luck with this show. I'm dying to see the rest of it. And I hope that you get a second season. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm going to end with, uh, I think the best quote I could ever end a show with by the infamous Luca Brasi. I know you are a busy man. I will (laughs) leave you now. (laughs) And I think I screwed that up. But that's basically the gist of it. I'm, I'm going to write that down and put it next to my computer. for the That's night. awesome, yeah. Because um, <laughs> I, 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 Godfather's a film I watched over and over again, and Luca Brasi, uh, I know you're a busy man. I will leave you. I'm going to leave you now, I think. I'm good. Yes, I it's love that. And I may hope your child is a masculine child. Masculine child. <laughs> you know, that, that part doesn't really work. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe I'll just awesome. Enzo the Baker from the hospital scene. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Aaron, thank you very much again for taking the time. My pleasure. Good luck and stay safe, okay? Thank you very much. You too. Have All a right. Good take one. care. Appreciate right, it. You too.